glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. So in Matthew chapter 1, we are very familiar with these texts, and we obviously, I can reference some things I think here tonight without having to turn to each and every place. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, is the account where Mary is spoken to by the angel Gabriel. Joseph spoken to in a dream, and Mary spoken to by the angel Gabriel. And uh, it would seem Mary, of course, was told these things first because she was expecting, and then Joseph found it out. It, it would seem to me the Lord could have given Joseph a heads up before Mary became expecting, but God didn't choose to do it that way. Uh, God did not choose to let... We, we understand Joseph found out that Mary was expecting after the fact because he's trying to figure out what to do. And so I want to say that so we have a proper perspective and context of this tonight. And what stands out to me, and the question that I asked you, is Joseph's silence. Now, when, we, when we find him in Matthew chapter 1, he's not saying anything. The Bible doesn't even say he's praying at this time. He's thinking on these things. And if you're a man tonight and you've ever had a problem to deal with, you understand a great deal to what Joseph was doing. We have problems. We want to think about those problems. And if you're a just man, as Joseph was, you want to think it through so that you have exhausted every angle and made sure you've looked at what is the truth, what are the facts. Uh, Try to set your feelings aside and make a judgment call on, okay, here's my situation. What do I do? I believe that's where we find Joseph. And so in that setting, we come into this message tonight. And again, I'm what led me here, as far as this series is concerned, is I'm thinking through the different characters and the account of the birth of the Lord. And I'm trying to think through the statements that each one of them made. And we find uh, Elizabeth last week, she is glorifying God with her words and exhorting and encouraging Mary with her words. And all of those are things we've seen. You can find Zacharias praying at some point in his life and responding. We've looked at him, not necessarily in this series, on the body. We could look at the shepherds, and I think probably we might. But the shepherds used their mouth for sure. They went around and spread the glad tidings everywhere. So then I'm thinking through the characters, and of course I've got to come to Joseph and consider, well, how did he use his mouth? And I did the same thing you did. I can't recall anything he said. And it occurred to me pretty quickly, it's because we don't have it. And I thought, well, how do you preach on a man's mouth when he didn't use it? How many of us know how much the Bible has to say about this truth? Not speaking. I've, I've entitled the message, Silence is Golden. <laughs> because Joseph, obviously, and it seems to me, and we're not making the Bible say anything, it doesn't. But it's very clear we have some insight into Joseph, but not into anything he said. And so that tells me he is a man that obviously knew how to govern his tongue. Here's a man who knew how to govern the whole body, how to, to, to reign in the whole body because he could reign in his tongue. Here's a man who kept himself pure outside of the uh, marriage, outside of matrimony. He did not know his wife. Here's a man when having the right to, to carry out the, the privileges of marriage went and said no because it was not the will of God. Here's a man who had temperance in his life. And if we can temper our tongue, James says, you can can rule the whole body if you can rule the tongue. And one of the hardest things to do with the tongue is not use it. One of the hardest things is to not 
pipe up and say something that's on our mind. I believe this, and I, I believe tonight as I look at the content of this message, I need what I'm preaching to you. There are times I look back and I think, why did I say that? It would have been better if I didn't say anything there. There's other times I can look and say, I said that, or I should have said that. I had an opportunity to say something, and I didn't. But the fact is, there is wisdom in knowing when and how to hold the tongue. Most problems in a home, most problems in a church can be taken back to someone misusing a tongue. Someone saying something that should not have been said in a moment of time. Someone saying something out of context. Boy, we have a world today where you can take a statement half of a statement of someone, plug it into whatever context you want and make it say what you want. It's a dangerous thing. But I find in Joseph the the wisdom and the virtue of temperance specifically as it relates to his tongue simply because of this. Can you imagine walking through the circumstance that he had to deal with without telling everybody what was going on? But it seems to me he didn't. It seems to me he took a different course of action when he, when he had a conflict come into his life. And so uh, let's consider this. Give you three simple things tonight, if I might, about Joseph and how, how he handled this situation and what I believe we can see, what we can see about his character we're able to see because we don't, we don't hear him using words. And so, uh, and I think ultimately what I'd like us to see is this, that the old adage, actions speak louder than words, it is true. Uh, while the Bible doesn't use that verbiage, James says that faith without works is dead being alone. That's the same idea. And what we find in Joseph is he makes a tremendously loud statement without making a loud statement. Uh, you know this as well as I. And, I, and, and I think you, we have to all be careful not to become skeptical. But anytime I begin to hear someone trumpet loudly a virtue of their own life, I told one of my children the other day, I don't remember who I said, in the world, in the culture, you get some people that they, they, they end up getting some kind of a, a cause. They get a cause. They're going to they're gonna defend all the, you know, whatever out there. And you'll find by and by the cause they champion is often the very thing they themselves are guilty of. It's almost like the, the loudness of the speech is a cover for the silence of a life. So if I can say loud enough, here's, let, me, let me just give you this example. If I go around saying loud enough how much I love God, chances are I probably don't. But I'm trying to convince me and trying to convince you with my words that I do because my life says I don't. And so I find in Joseph it's the opposite. I never find him really saying, Lord, I love you. I don't find him. Mary says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I don't find Joseph saying that, not with his mouth. He said it with his life. And so, again, let's consider these things. Number one, we've already alluded to this, but that is his conflict. Joseph's in a conflict here, and by by our attention being drawn to him in his silence, that's not all I want to look at tonight. I want to see some other things. The Lord wants us to see some other things. The silence of this man brings our attention on him in this series of messages, but it allows us to see some other things in his life how he dealt with his conflict. And by conflict, what I mean is a conflict in his life. Here's a man who's engaged to be married. Uh, We don't know how soon that was. We would assume fairly soon. Uh, He is espoused. And by the way, we use the word engaged. Espoused is a much stronger term. Here's a man that has uh, to, to break up the espousal required a divorce. 
and they had never even lived in the same house. But if you, this was such a strong bond, there was such a firm commitment of Joseph and Mary to each other that it was an espousal and could only be ended with a bill of divorcement. I believe they took marriage a lot more seriously in that culture than we do in ours. And so here's this espousal, and you know the conflict. But I want to I want to kind of focus on a few things and then compare it, and I believe we'll have a better appreciation for the fact that he didn't say anything to people, but simply took this apart and allowed God to speak to him. And that is a few things. Number one, we got to consider what he knew. And if we're going to govern our speech, we've got to we've got to have a, a thought process like this. What did Joseph know? I was meditating on this text of scripture earlier uh, in the week, or maybe last week. And I was thinking about the fact that the Bible says that Joseph, verse 19, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Had I written that text, I would have said, and Joseph, being a merciful man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. I would not have said a just man. Why does it say there that Joseph was a just man and that caused him to come to the conclusion, I cannot make her a public example? If you go back and study the law, there were a couple of options if someone, if a young lady was accused of immorality. There's a couple of options on the table. Had she been in the city and she comes up expecting a child that's not from her own husband, espoused husband, then it is assumed she cried out, or that she did not cry out, but that she was, that she was consensual in the matter and that she's guilty. You can read the law. Well, she was in a walled city. It's assumed there were people around and this was not something forced upon her. If she was out in the field, it's assumed she cried out and no one could hear her. That's how the law reads. We're going to assume she didn't cry out if she's where she could have been heard. We're going to assume that she did cry out if she's out where she couldn't be heard. And so if she's out there and she comes up with child or uh, it's told that she's unclean some way, then you do not charge her with sin if she was out in the field. Were she in the city, then you've got to charge her with a sin and she was worthy of death, as was the man involved as well. What did Joseph know? Did Mary come of child out in the field in the wilderness where no one could hear her in the city? He didn't. Here's what he knew. His espoused wife was expecting a child. Do you know why he couldn't know that? Because it was neither one. And if we're going to be just, can I just give some instruction here tonight to myself and to us? If we're going to be just, we must stay inside the boundaries of what we know to be factual. And Joseph here, here's what he could have done. He could have run to all his friends. You say, well, he might have. Well, we just don't have that recorded in Scripture. What I find it is he went aside and he thought about it. Joseph could have gone and said, can you believe what my, what my fiance has done to me? Can you believe what she's done? If I find who the guy is, I'm going to strangle him. But he didn't know that. And what he came to the conclusion was, by law, by law, he could not have her prosecuted. He didn't know what she was guilty of. He knows she's going to have a child. May I say this? I believe a firm sense of justice will do a, a whole lot in governing our tongues. How many times, and I believe there's a direct connection here, how many times do we speak beyond what we know to be true because we assume we know what is true? How many times do we make a judgment concerning another person because there is circumstantial evidence surrounding that person so I know what they're up to? I'll be honest with you. One of the places I've learned in my own life and am learning what I'm trying to communicate to you tonight is in the role of parenting. You start raising children and you think you know that child and you know that child and you see they said this and immediately think, I know what you did. How many parents have ever, ever, knew your child had done something wrong to find out you misjudged them. 
I have. And spoke before I thought. Can I tell you that's not what Joseph did? He thought before he spoke. This is vital. It's vital in our lives that before we open up and declare all that we know that we don't really know, that we think and figure out what we do know. See, what thinking will do, thinking is a good thing, by the way, if it's not handled improperly. What thinking will do is allow us to determine what is true so that we can be honest. If we speak too soon, we'll say something, maybe not even intentionally, but we'll say something and it'll be false. What did God say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8? Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are, what's the first thing he says? True. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just. You notice the order of that? God's first three concerns are you make sure what you're thinking about is true. Well, I know. I just know. You know what? I, let, me, let me show you how this works. This is what turns gossip. This is how gossip happens. We speak before we think through the facts. Uh, how many of you have ever, um, let's, let's put it this way. I, I'm driving down the road and I pass uh, some bar and I see, um, I see Braden's truck at the bar. I'll give, you, I'll give you one better than that. It wasn't a bar, it was the dentist's office. I'm driving through town one day and I see Braden's truck at the dentist's office. And I thought, did he have an accident at work? I thought he was working down Sandpoint Way today. And I said, I called him, text him. So are you at the dentist? He's like, as far as I know. <laughs> he said, unless somebody grabbed my truck. And I mean, it's his truck. It's teal green Mazda, extended cab, flared side. It's his truck. But you know what? It wasn't his truck. It was a truck that is identical to his truck. And it really wasn't. He, he was in Ponderay when I texted him. I see the truck pull out later, and it's a girl driving it. Best I know, some girl I never saw. And it was not, it was Bonner County, as far as I know. But it looked just like his truck. Now, what if it was sitting at a bar? Then the best thing to do at that point is, I just saw Braden's truck at a bar. Get it on Facebook as quick as you can. Text every member of the church, pray, pray. <laughs> you with me? I think you're with me tonight because we've all done this. We've jumped to a conclusion. Could Joseph not have done that? He knew for sure Mary was expecting a child. That he knew. He didn't know how. And so instead of speaking, what did he do? The Bible says, while he thought on these things. Reckon why I've titled this point, his conflict. Can you not see there was a conflict in Joseph's mind? How many of us know that when a person is known for holy, pure living, they have a testimony to that end? Mary was not known for being loose. Mary was not known for being immoral. Mary was not known for being... I mean, you can see that in her character in Scripture. She was known for fearing God. So this, this occurrence in her life didn't make sense to Joseph. And he could have responded to his flesh and said, well, there's only one explanation. No, no. While he thought on these things. If we're going to govern our tongues, we must think before we speak. We must consider what do I know, what do I not know, and that will determine what we can and cannot say. What he knew what he didn't know and what he did in this conflict tell us the process that needs to take place in our own life if we're going to have the testimony Joseph did. How much damage might he have been part of in the life of Mary, his espoused wife, if he had spoken instead of thought? Had he uttered all his mind? Had he said, I know what's going on here. 
And it's easy to do that. It sure makes for juicy tales. It gets people's attention. Sure it does. But how much damage is done? There have been a lot of people whose testimonies have been destroyed in a community because someone said something before they thought about it. Only to come back later and say, oh, we better issue a retraction. Remember I said that about so-and-so the other day? (laughs) I found out later I was wrong. It wasn't actually their vehicle I thought it was. And so I'm sorry that I, you know, I kind of made them look like they were doing something wrong when they weren't. But oh well. See what I'm saying? His conflict was created, but how he responded to his conflict is Joseph took time to think instead of speak. And so that's his conflict. Number two, his communication. By that, I don't mean what he said, but what was said to him. The Bible says in Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to put her away, uh, to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he, what was this say? While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and she shall save his people, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. And, of course, the Bible says, Then Joseph, being raised, went and did as he was commanded. We'll get back into that in just a moment. What I want us to see is when it was that God communicated to him the truth he needed to know. Joseph has a conflict in his mind. I know Mary, but I also know she's expecting a child. I know it's not my child. It has to be somebody else's. I cannot explain the kind of woman I know her to be and what appears to be true in her life. Anybody in their right mind knows what it appeared like. But the Bible says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. We're commanded by our Lord and Savior in John 7. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. That's exactly what Joseph is doing. He has a conflict, so it's, he's thinking on these things. It's while he's thinking, not while he's speaking, that God speaks to him. If we are busy letting our thoughts be known and letting our beliefs and letting our conclusions that are prematurely hatched known, we're not going to hear the Lord. Someone who's constantly uttering their mouth is not good at listening. How many of us know there's a connection between when I constantly speak, I rarely listen. And when I constantly listen... I'll speak little, but be heard much. The Bible says the man that listens speaketh constantly. That doesn't mean he's constantly running his tongue. It means his life is speaking volumes. We become heard when we learn how to listen. When we are good listeners, we learn to be heard. So Joseph is listening to God. He's thinking on these things. Had he chosen to speak first, think later, he would have never heard from the Lord. But instead, while he was thinking on these things, the angel of the Lord comes to him and fills in the knowledge he didn't have. God gives him light. May I say there is tremendous value in taking time to think on things before we make a judgment. Bible says that God loves justice and judgment. And that's that. look, that doesn't take place while we're talking. <laughs> Our speech, the Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. What is fitly spoken? The right thing to say 
said the right way at the right time. You know what that takes? That takes learning to not speak when I want to. That, that takes learning to say, I want to say something right now, but if I do, I'll be speaking beyond what I know. I've got to wait. I've got to rein my tongue in. I've got to be quiet. I'll give you, I'm going to give you a number of verses here at the conclusion of the message in just a few minutes that, that tell us how important it is to God that we learn to rein in our speech. Now, I want you to think through the life of Joseph, and we see a pattern in his life. That's going to bring us to our third and final point. We've seen his conflict, what he knew, what he didn't know, and what he did. He, he conducted justice and judgment in thinking on these things. His communication from God that gave him light as to what was going on so he would know what to do came not while he was speaking, but while he was thinking. And so that brings us to his conversation. We've chosen that word on purpose. Joseph had a manner of life that you can see plainly in the Bible. If we look back now to Luke chapter 2, I just want to read what we know about Joseph. We read Matthew 1. Now go to Luke chapter 2. And this is something we see and I think we're very well familiar with in this room tonight, but I want us to see it in the Bible again. And just to confirm that you'll not find a recorded word from his mouth, but we do see a recorded pattern of his life because obviously Joseph was a good listener. He was a good listener. Luke chapter 2, uh, the Bible tells us in, of course, verse, uh, verse 1. Let's read just a few verses here. We're not going to read the entire account, but Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We'll go down to verse 7. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone, into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then if we move on down uh, to verse... Let's consider... Let's look at uh, verse 16... The Bible says, speaking of the shepherds, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they'd seen it, the shepherds, they made known abroad uh, those sayings and so forth. And you'll find that Joseph named the Lord Jesus, Jesus, as he was commanded by the angel, telling us he's a good listener. We find him in Bethlehem with Mary, his espoused wife. God said, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And so Joseph did exactly what he was told, exactly what he was doing. Now, if we go back to Matthew chapter 2, we find that again, Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 13 through 15. This is the account of after the wise men come, after they're living in Bethlehem, after the Lord Jesus has been dedicated in the temple. Luke chapter 2, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 2, beginning verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And then if we look on down, verse 19, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel and when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. 
notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee and came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He should be called a Nazarene. Are you gathering the pattern in Luke chapter or Matthew chapter 1? God is speaking to Joseph, giving him instruction. In Luke chapter 2, Joseph is obeying that instruction, having taken Mary his wife, named the child Jesus. Luke chapter 2, they dedicate him in the temple. He's listened to the scripture. We come back to Matthew chapter 2. Once again, there's speaking going on, but it's God speaking to Joseph. Take the child and go into Egypt. Joseph took the child and went into Egypt. After Egypt, you may now return. As they return, don't go there. Go aside into Nazareth. And what we find in Joseph's life is he may not have been a real a real um, uh, regular speaker, but he was a regular listener. And God attaches the two. James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Fellows, how many of us would have been hot under our collar if we found out about our engaged, what he found out about his? But he was swift to hear, slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Hot tempers make bad mouths. (laughs) Right? Hot tempers in a fit of anger will often say things we would never say in our right mind. You realize anger is almost like being a drunk. Yeah, there's there's a passion that takes over the spirit. There's a passion that takes over the mind. All of a sudden we spout something out. If we had just thought, we would know it wasn't right to say. How many of us have ever uttered these words? You always... Now, I pray not. If you're walking with the Lord, those kind of things shouldn't be coming from our mouth. You're always like that. How many of us know that's not true? The people we say that to, it's not true. You know, some child does something or some adult does something. You always, and especially in a marriage, no, right now, and there may have been another time they did it, maybe two or three times, and it may be a pattern of life, but you always, as a result of anger taking over the tongue, saying things we ought not say. And what I find of Joseph is that there is some character revealed in his life, and that is Joseph knew how to listen, and that's why his life speaks so loudly. We're talking about his conversation. The manner of life that speaks so loudly to us. You do not have to be a rocket scientist to realize this is a man of tremendous character, a man of great temperance, a man of godliness, a man who's holy, a man of obedience to God, a man that God used and entrusted the raising of his only begotten son to. What was one of the key characteristics in his life? He knew how to listen. I don't know about you. I want a life that says volumes. I pray that when my de- when I'm dead, how many ever years of life God gave me on this life, on this planet, will have been a sermon preached Now, what's the best way to guarantee that? Slow to speak, slow to wrath, because I'm swift to hear. I believe this. If you study the book of Proverbs, you study James chapter 1, the principle we're looking at tonight, you can gauge really how good of a listener or how how valuable our speech is by how well we listen. If I am listening little, talking much, pretty much what I have to say is worth little. If I'm listening much, talking little, what I'm going to say is going to be worth a lot. So his conversation, he had character that's seen in the pattern of his life, and that is what we would do with there's consistency in his life. First Peter 1, 13 through 16 says, um, let's, let's turn there very quickly if you would. First Peter 1, 
verses 13 through 16. Speaking of the kind of conversation we need to have, the Bible says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, talking about the way we think, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, Let's pause for just a moment. What is the girdle in the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6? Therefore, gird up your loins with truth. So 1 Peter 1.13 here, we're to gird up our loins, and Ephesians chapter 6 tells us with what? Truth. Fill your mind, tie your mind tight with truth. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. That word sober again, dealing with the concept of being temperate and controlled. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. James chapter 3 tells us that we often offend with our tongues. The key to that is we've not filled our hearts and minds with truth and let our minds be governed by the truth, and therefore our tongue gets loose before we think about what we say. We need to be like Joseph and have the character to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, that we might have a consistent life of obedience to God as he did that speaks volumes to those around us. Now, I believe we've seen that message in his life. Let's look at a number of verses in the book of Proverbs as well as in Ecclesiastes. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. How many of you would say, I really enjoy, and I don't mean this in the wrong, I I mean enjoy in a godly sense, I enjoy knowing that I have been listened to. I don't know of a parent that doesn't just want to be heard, but wants to be listened to. I don't know of a wife that doesn't want to be listened to. I don't know of a husband that doesn't want to be listened to. Got a question. Do you rejoice more in giving prayer requests or getting prayers answered? That's not hard for me. I rejoice more in getting prayers answered. You know why? I know then that God listened to me. How many of us know the Bible says that if he, we will not listen to him, he will not listen to us? If I regard iniquity in mine heart, the Lord will not hear me. The, the prayer of the wicked is an abomination to God. You realize if I am ignoring God, God says, I'm not going to hear your prayer. John chapter 15, verse 7 gives a positive promise. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It's a positive promise, but it's a conditioned one. If you listen to my words and you retain them, I'll listen to yours and retain them. It's a pattern and a principle in Scripture. I think it's valuable or or that it's vital then that we be good listeners to God. I think we all know and desire to be listened to tonight. I believe I'm listening clearly to the life of Joseph. His life, as recorded in Scripture, is an instruction, a reproof, a rebuke, an exhortation, a correction to me. And he never said one word recorded in the Bible. But he's speaking to me tonight, the Spirit of God using him to speak to me tonight. Why? Because he knew how to perk up the ear and close down the mouth. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Proverbs ten nineteen, In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Verse 20, the tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. Meaning the tongue of a just man is worth more than the heart of a wicked man. 
Verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. So again, 1019, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. God says, you keep talking, there's going to be no lack of sin. You know why that is? Because when we are have a direct connection between what's in our heart and what's in our mouth without any break in between, without any temperance from the Holy Spirit of God, then all that can come out when there's not a restraint from Him, a direction by Him, is that which is not, that's just corrupt. And so, uh, Proverbs 10, 19 tells us there that he that refraineth his words is wise. Now, if you would, Proverbs 11, verse 12. He that is, that's not where I want it to be. Let's go verse 13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit does what? Concealeth the matter. So a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Uh, now, if you would, to Proverbs 17, verse 28. And I assume there's more on this subject. These are the ones that I have written down tonight. Verse 27, Proverbs 17. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. Isn't that an amazing statement? Wouldn't you think a person filled with knowledge would be just constantly talking? And we talk about people in the news media, they're talking heads. <laughs> Many times they're just repeating something that have been told to say. The Bible says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Here's the idea. A man that has knowledge knows for sure he knows something doesn't feel compelled to tell the whole world. Normally when we talk a lot about what we know it's because we know how much we don't know. We're trying to convince somebody else we do. A lot of speech is often nothing more than an indication of insecurity and where we stand. The Bible says he that hath knowledge spareth his words. And so then a man of understanding is an excellent spirit. Even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. When we think we have knowledge, a lot of facts in our head, what are we prone to want to do? Be sure you know how much I know. But God says that's not true knowledge. A head full of facts is not true knowledge. That's not what we're talking about here. Knowledge coupled with understanding is called wisdom. And at that point... It, your knowledge is not revealed by what you say, but by what you refuse to say. And so then let's move on. We have a few more to cover here and we'll be done. Proverbs 29, verse 11. Excuse me. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let's talk about your mouth again. Verse 2. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth. A stranger and not thine own lips. Here again, we see wisdom is restraining the tongue. Don't praise yourself. Don't, don't boast in what you're able to do. No. Uh, keep that in. Let another man, if you want to be praised, let somebody else do it. Leave that up to somebody else. Uh, it's been said, he that uh, toots his own horn generally plays solo. <laughs> and it's true. Proverbs 29, verse 11. Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool uttereth all his mind. But a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Now, God is not saying you never talk. You know what our Lord's ministry was filled with? Speaking. But may I say this, even he listened more than he spoke. He went to prayer so he could listen and speak to the Father and receive what he had to say. And when he did speak, every word he spoke was pure gold. Amen? Every word of God is pure. Uh, he is a buckler to them that put their trust in him. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. 
I just want to lay clearly this principle from the Bible that restraint of speech is, is the evidence of wisdom and not the other way around. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. If you continue to read in the context, it's talking about vowing vows unto God and making sure you keep them. May I say this? You'd be far better, far, far better to stay where you are when the invitation is given. I'm not encouraging, not obeying and minding God. And think about what God's speaking to you before you tell him anything back. Then every time your emotions are stirred, you run to the altar and make God a promise. That's what this is talking about. I've seen people in churches where emotions run high, run to the altar, make promises to God all the time. They never keep because they're hasty with their mouth. They started speaking before they started thinking. God says, no, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let thy words be few. Meaning we're not supposed to start spouting off all kinds of things to God. God, I'll do this for you and I'll do that for you. All God wants us to do is what he tells us to do. Amen. And you know what? Let your yea be yea and nay be nay. Well, we would learn much from Joseph tonight. Not one recorded word from his tongue in Scripture. But how much does his life say to us? Why? Because he knew how to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And in that, he heard from God and responded in obedience to God. I think the question for us tonight would be this. What am I better with, my ears or my tongue? Do I listen better to God? You know what? I don't know about you. How many of you want to be, I think every person in this room that knows they're saved could say yes to what I'm about to ask. You, you want to be effective in getting other people to hear and come to faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want that. One of the best ways we can guarantee that is making sure we are extremely attentive to the Holy Spirit of God as he speaks to us. If we'll listen well, we'll be heard much. May I say that to us collectively as a church? I want this community to hear our message. We, we have the truth. I'm not saying to other people in this community, saved, don't have the truth. But this church has the truth in our hand, in our heart. And I want them to hear us. Not just me, I want them to hear us. I believe God wants them to hear us. Well, how can we do that? Make sure we're being diligent about hearing Him. And if we do that, it'll give us a voice. Amen? I'm not talking about lifestyle evangelism. I'm talking about effective, effectual evangelism. And, and a life that makes the right statement by being a good listener. And you'll find this. People that talk all the time, let me ask some. People that talk all the time, how well are they listened to? I got news for you. Right now, I don't listen to news talk. Because I turn it on and all I hear is, jack 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 Where's me out? And so what happens is we lose influence by talking much, listening little. May we be like Joseph. Mm-hmm.